0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. Let's take and um, I want to just read our, our uh, text out of the lesson this morning. First thing before we're seated And we'll just read this, then we'll pray, and then we'll be seated. Um, It's out of one of Paul's writings in Galatians. and It's Galatians 5, um, the last three verses, 24 through 26. And he says it like this, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Now, I know we just prayed, but let's pray one more time. Ask God to touch us, touch our minds, our hearts, everything that's done today that we do or say. Let's just don't gather to be going through the motions. God said his word would not return void. You can't walk in here and leave the same. That is literally the truth. You can't be exposed to this and go home the same. It's not the one standing here. It doesn't matter who is standing here because if this word is preached and you listen, it will change you. So let's pray and ask God to touch us and have his way this day. God, we love you and we thank you. And Father, most of all, we thank you for this word. God, I thank you that it is the strength and the knowledge that we need. God, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us, that you would anoint our minds. Let this anointed word, God, just be engrafted within us, Lord God. Each and every day that we live, God, it is the strength that we need. It is the spirit and the life and the breath that we need. I pray that you touch us. Touch our Sunday school, Lord God. Everything we do or say, we need the Holy Ghost to anoint our mouth, Lord God. To give us strength, Lord God, and the empowerment, Lord God, to live. I pray this day, touch us, Lord God. Thank you for what you're going to do. Father, we need you. And as I always say, God, we can't do this alone, but by your Spirit, we are more than able. And God, I thank you for this day. Touch us. We are grateful in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this is our lesson as we have been studying the Discipleship Project, Becoming Who We Are. Uh, Today's lesson uh, is entitled just Empowered by the Spirit. The verses that we read was written by Paul, authored by the Holy Ghost. And seems like I have said so many times through the years, I I just love the concept of time. That's why I say that the Bible was not written to any period of time. But it seems to me as time goes on, people and their beliefs are beginning to has always seemed to let up. That's why we can say this Bible was not written to any time period. No matter how much technology grows, changes, no matter what goes on, no matter what you were told, I can never say this enough. No matter what you were told, you will be held accountable when you stand before the Lord if you stand before somebody and you know wholeness and you don't live it, you can't point to your pastor and say they didn't tell me. God is going to hold you accountable. So you can't go to no TV preacher, you can't go to nobody on the radio and say well they said this and I looked at the church world and they did this. Don't fall into that trap. Don't fall into the enemy's trap and said, well the world has let up so God must not demand this. No, we're not trying to put the benchmark so high you can't live it. We're saying the benchmark hadn't been changed. God has not changed. Society has changed. We have not changed. God's word is the same as it has always been. We need that. We need that in our life. I need to get up and know tomorrow that what I have believed today is the same as what I believed yesterday. It hadn't changed. That is why we're going through this process that Holy Ghost men of today has given us these lessons becoming who we are. Not who we want to be, who we are. We are God called apostolic people empowered by his spirit. That's who we are. And Paul said it like this. I will just start with these three verses. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now, the word crucified means literally just that. It is a horrible picture when you go read of what happened to our God when he was crucified. It is not a pretty picture when you read of what happened. But literally, it's like this. I would say it like this. When Jesus came in the flesh, what did we do to him? We crucified him. So now, when we receive his spirit, we are crucified it's not, as some, it's not like something that is done to us but it is something that's done by us by his spirit that dwells within us it is not that I can just say well I want to do this today the Bible says here in Paul and his writings with the affections and lust if I take this within myself and say I'm going to do this without God's spirit it can't be done That's why you've been told so many years, don't read after somebody that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Do not put stock in that. They're telling you the truth. You're basing your eternity on somebody that don't even have the Spirit of God. Read by men that's anointed of God's Word. That's what we gotta have. No matter how much knowledge or how much sense it may make, to your human side it may make sense. But to your spiritual side, It'll give you an eternity you don't want. So that is why Paul said you must crucify this flesh. And it only can be done by the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. That's why he said they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust thereof. That's the only way. Face it. Do Do say what you want. I'm not trying to be cruel. But it cannot be done other than by the Holy Ghost literally, you don't have to buy that, that's me, literally, so he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit, now, if you look, if you take and look, I don't have this, but if in in, uh, Galatians 15, I don't have it, but there is a word that's used, I think it's something that, um, well, I'll find it, so you'll believe me, in Galatians, um, 515, it says, uh, no, 16. For I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, that word that he is saying there, If I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, let's go down to what I just read, where he quoted here. If we live in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, as if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit that word in 15 walk that word in in 26 or in 25 it's not the same word when you look it up in the greek it means two different things what i'm trying to say in 15 he is saying that word for walk is just the walk of life in other words it's just your daily walk you're just walking but he's changed the venue here, when you go to 25, he said, now, those were the Holy Ghost, if you walk in the Spirit, get in line with the Holy Ghost. It's a military term. You walk in line with the Holy Ghost. If you say you have the Spirit of God, don't be over here in right field. Don't be over here in left field. You walk in line with the Holy Ghost. Look it up for yourself. It means two entirely different walks It's not just a suggestive walk as it is in in 16. But when you get on here he is saying walk in the Holy Ghost. You have God's spirit, then act like it. Walk in the Holy Ghost. He is saying walk here. So then if we take and we go down, he says let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another, envying one another. Now if you take and look that up if it takes time to do this, and I realize it, and not everybody has the time or wants to devote the time to do this. But verse 26, this is what I love about Scripture, where it says, let us not be desirous of vain glory. Desirous means conceited. In other words, who was here at work yesterday? Me. I'm the only one showed up. Nobody else came. It was just me. That's vain glory. He said, don't seek that. You're conceited. Don't seek that kind of attention. God knows your effort and what you did. Do not conceit. Do not be desirous of vain glory. That's only used one time in the Bible. Literally, one time, and it's used here. Paul said, don't do that. If you're walking in the Spirit, don't." it's, it's all about me. It's not all about me. It's about the body of Christ. We're all many members fitly framed together, Paul says. So he goes on to say provoking one another. That literally, that is a combat term. It means to call forth. In other words, if Brother Jerry had made me mad, and I would just, it ain't like, hey, brother. It's, hey, come here. Look it up. That's what it means. It means to call forth in combat. It's used one time. One time in scripture, it means you are provoking a fellow brother that has the Holy Ghost. Paul said, if you have the Holy Ghost, what on earth would you do this for? Provoking one another. Then he says, envying one another. It ain't like, I'll pick on Jerry. It ain't like, if I could just be like him. If I could just be like him. No. Everybody's different. God uses so many different personalities. And that is why I've said, that's why that I related so much that when Brother Boy said that, that uh, I, I don't remember now, but y'all probably remember it, the pastor that just got up and picked a verse and just had men, and I, I don't know if women did it too, but just got up and quoted from the same verse. Yes, I think that's great because you get it from different personalities. And what I've said, everybody's heard uh, of David and Goliath. But they ain't heard it from your perspective. Everybody's got a different angle about the same truth. So it's not envying and looking what you're doing. Time is going on and you're missing what God can do for you of envying what someone else has. It's not about what someone else has. It's about allowing God to use us. I'm not trying to be envious of what you have. I'm appreciating what you have and saying, God help me to be what you want me to be. So Paul is saying here, he says, don't be conceited. Don't seek out vain glory. God will reward you when no one else is around, and you are doing, you are in your room, you are in your closet, and you are praying. You're asking God to help you when nobody else sees you. God sees you. He knows it. And then he says, do not provoke one another. Do not do this and do not envy one another because if you do and you stay with envying one another, you will begin to think and I I would say that God appreciates him more than he appreciates me because why would he give him talent and not me? Not realizing that we're two different personalities. I may have a weaker personality's Where he may have stronger personalities. That's not the point. The point is, we're speaking of the same truth. That's what's important that we hold to the same guidelines and truth that God has given us and that we don't water down this message. Who cares what the world does? We ain't changing. We ain't changing nothing. If anything, we're going to strengthen our grip on what God has given us and given us to hold. And it's thus saith the Lord, not thus saith man. It's what it is. Now, so Paul has is, is written this, so I want you, uh, if you will, I'm going to Acts 7. For just a minute, and then, believe it or not, I'll go back to the lesson. Acts 7, and I'm going to just read it. I'm going to read Acts 7, 54, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter 6, and I'll try to be quick. This is, I'm jumping in the middle at the end, not in the middle, at the end of them stoning Stephen. Okay, and when they, so this is the crowd that are angry. This is at the very end. And so they're mad. They're basically rushing Stephen. So this is where we pick it up. And when they heard these things, the Jews, they were cut to the heart. They gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, excuse me, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice loud voice saying lay not this sin to their charge and when he had said this he fell asleep. Now the reason I go there is because the stoning of Stephen was unique in the fact where what Stephen had done literally I can sum it up like this where he said they was cut but but Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven And saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And sometimes we know Jesus was called the Son of Man. So he says it like this. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. When you go to Acts and read the seventh chapter, Stephen lays down a message that makes them so mad. So what happens here? Now, if you literally... Now, we're apostolic, so we've been taught what the, the right hand of God means. It, it means authority and power. God is a spirit. The Bible tells us no man has seen God at any time in the Bible when God wanted to reveal himself. He revealed himself as the angel of the Lord or in human form as a theophany. So we know that. So it's not like, and the Trinitarians even agree with this, it's not like Stephen looked up and seen God and Jesus on the right hand. There, it, it, that's, that's physically impossible even to the Bible. So when Stephen looked up, what Stephen had just done had called Jesus God. And they couldn't handle it. Because <laughs> who had they just crucified? They had crucified Jesus And when Jesus and when and when Stephen said that, they was Jewish and they knew what the right hand of God meant. They had just, Stephen had just delegated all the authority and power as God to Jesus, and that's who he's seen. So they they just couldn't take it. The Bible says that they took, they gnashed on him with their teeth. If you, if you read that, that means they literally chomped their teeth. Um, did they physically bite on him? I don't really know. Some believe they really did. They could have. But most believe they literally, like we would grind our teeth when we get mad. They literally gnash their teeth at Stephen. But what I want to draw your attention to, this is the first time where we come across Here we was known as Saul. This is the first time we read. Now, the Bible says that they laid their clothes, that the the young witnesses, they they laid down their clothes at a young man. I've read, I'm going to just take a stab at 35. I think he was around 35 years of age. So the Bible says they, they laid their clothes down. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. So when you read Where they laid their clothes down. I believe, this is me, I believe Stephen, I believe Saul supervised this. He was the supervisor of this. So, my point is this this is the first time, I'm gonna call him Paul from now on. This is the first time that we read of Paul, and this is how severe it is. So, but here's a point I I want you to notice the Bible says that they ran upon Stephen. The thing that I can connect that with, you, you remember in the Bible where the Lord cast out the legion of devils and put them in the swine and the Bible says they ran into the sea? It is the same word. They ran so violently upon Stephen. It's the same word used there. So now they took and they come. So now what ends it for me truly and they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus. Stephen calling upon God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. But this, I want, I, I, I wanna, I'm going to say this and then we'll go to the lesson. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice saying, Lord, remember every one of their names. <laughs> that would have probably been my prayer. <laughs> remember these jokers. But Stephen said, Lay not this sin to their charge. So here's a man, the Bible says, was full of the Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. And we know God answered his prayer. Because the first time we hear of Paul, he is supervising this stoning of Stephen. So I would say it like this take the lesson from Stephen is that we never, ever know just how our scars, our bruises, our hurts God is is ever going to use. We may never know, but I do know this, being filled with His Spirit and allow His Spirit to work in us, we will never know what God can use because Stephen, and I believe here in his mercy, The Bible didn't say Stephen died, which he did die. But God in his mercy says, what? He fell asleep. Here he is suffering one of the most cruelest deaths of all. And the Bible just says he fell asleep. As cruel as it was, here's Stephen. The last words on his lips were saying, don't lay this sin now I'm telling you when you getting stones cast at you and you got enough God in you to say that? I think God can just say, "You know what? As we would say in our day, I'm just going to put him to sleep. I'm not let I'm not going to let him. I'm not going to let him just pummel the life out of him. I'm just going to put him to sleep." But he was put to sleep, not never knowing that the man holding the clothes would become one of the greatest men of the New Testament. And sometimes we look at our situation saying, Man, look what I'm going through. And God is saying, If you only knew, if you only knew, don't never doubt God. For Saul. He was on a mission. Paul, as we know him as, let me see if I can remember this. Paul is the, the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew name of Saul. So Paul, as we know him, he was a devout Pharisee. He was trained under the greatest. The Bible even says he was on a mission and he literally thought, thought, that he was doing the right thing. You know, he was going about and and I guess from even from the bible you could ask him are you doing the right thing? Yes. I am doing God's will. But it is amazing to me, you know, could you can be sincere in what you're doing and and please don't take this, please don't take this. That is why I'm You can call me overly cautious all you want but that's why I'm so concerned on who I read after because this world is full of people that are so sincere in what they're doing. They are so sincere on what they're being taught and I'm not their judge. All we have is the Bible to go by and the Bible is truth It is not what thus saith man. The Bible is our truth. That is what we must go by. It is not because we're in some age that we think think there's a new truth. There is no new truth. There is the truth that has always existed. So being sincere about what you've been taught, what you believe, just as Paul, he is saying, you know, he considered literally to destroy the church. He destroyed the followers of God. He seek permission, was granted permission not only to catch them, but literally take the life of Christian people. We know that. But one day on a trip, his life was changed. And but literally, it's what God told him because God literally asked him, "Why are you persecuting me?" And Saul thought that he was doing the will of God, and God asked him, literally, why are you persecuting me? And then when Paul asked him, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And I just wonder what that really must have felt like. When all these years, I wonder if the life, if the faces came back to him of the men That just like Stephen had come to him, you don't realize what you're doing. Paul, you don't realize what you're doing. And when Jesus said, It is me that you're persecuting. If the realization, I don't know, God in His mercy might have just hailed that from him. But here he is. He has seen, He said, It's me. And here's the thing here's the thing. I will put what happened to them that day that's good about church. The men that was with him heard it, but they didn't understand it. That is why it... it, I want to say it till I die. It doesn't matter who's here. Everyone hears it. But a few can glean what everyone hears. And not realize it. you don't know how much I needed that. And everyone hears it. It was just words that went across the desk. And not realizing just what God just did. And it can be something that we go home thinking. Wow, it was just another service. And then have something in the middle of the week that God bring that back to us. This word won't return void. It will not it will not return void. It will not happen. So he goes, we know the story of Ananias. and. I guess I joke too much, but there's one thing that I got underlined in my Bible. It is where God told Ananias, we're speaking on being empowered of the Spirit, and God knew it was going to take two men to wrangle this man. So Stephen was one of them. Ananias was the second one because wouldn't you just love to have been there when Ananias is praying and he says I got a man you need to go see and when he finally told him who it was it was (laughs) (sighs) really? (laughs) how many men has this has this man took of your people and it's him you want me to go see? so it's almost humorous where it says when Ananias went and laid his hands on him you know we look at it he he laid laid hands on him all right, (laughs) snap his neck but but what I have underlined is when Ananias went to him and laid his hands on him and said brother Saul I'm telling you that took the Holy Ghost I'm in the New Testament what if somebody was killing us And God said, you go witness to them. They are a chosen vessel unto me. And your first words to them would be to welcome them. (laughs) It'd take the Holy Ghost. I'm not kidding. It would. So God used these two men full of the Holy Ghost. But Paul, where would we be without him? A man so anointed of God, so he did this, so he took and he went and i've I've used it years ago, I remember when i I was given directions, and I got here I had to go back and uh, basically apologize to the man because it was in a subdivision, a big subdivision. he gave me directions and and it was quick, and I made the um, I made the mistake of the first. It was a lot of left, right, left, right, left, right, and I was correct except the very first move I made wrong. But after that, I stayed on the course. But I never could find the job because the very first turn I made wrong. So when I finally got to the got to the guy, I was in not a Christian attitude. So I told him, I said, look, you need to learn how to give directions. You know, I knew the guy good, so I knew that I wouldn't have to dodge licks. So I'm telling him, look, you know, you give me directions, and when I go back and figure it out, I was the one that was wrong. And I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I was dead sincere on what I had done. But I was sincerely wrong. So I go back to the man, I said, look, it wasn't you, it was me. So at times we do find ourselves headed in the wrong direction. And uh, I'll, I'll just say one other thing. I remember we was working um, on the end of Lake City, and I let some guys, I knew <laughs> I knew better, but I let some guys give me directions, and they give me directions, and I found myself, I didn't even know where I was at. And... I think I've told y'all this one time before, but I seen a mailman, and I said, if anybody knows the country, the, the, the mailman does. So I stopped the mailman, and I sincerely thought I was going the right direction. I, I, I told him where I wanted to go. He said, well, that's completely the other way. So I said, well, okay. So I turned around. But the enemy that we fight is really a master deceiver. If we give him any any kind of room, at times we will think we are doing what we should do. That's why he said don't provoke one another. Don't envy one another because here I am doing the work, the will of God and I'm thinking that, you know, I'm out here doing this or doing that and, and you know, I get no recognition or I'm not getting this or for long. We find ourselves somewhere that we should not be. And Paul was saying... God knows us. He knows our heart, our motives, you know, and we can't be literally where we shouldn't be. So the first century Galatian church found their place here. In fact, Paul even told them, he said, I, I am marveled that you are so, so soon removed from him that has called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another But there be some that trouble you and and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now that sounds like to me it could have been written just yesterday. Literally. But Paul spent the remainder of this book trying to attempting to persuade the Galatians that the truth path to wholeness is through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost and not through the works of the flesh. Here is something that we have to balance, literally. Now, the Bible talks about the Old Testament being our schoolmaster. When you really look schoolmaster up, it I don't want to scare nobody, but it literally does not mean teacher. It means tutor. It means a guide. What it really means, when Paul says... That, It was our schoolmaster. It was our guide. It pointed us unto Jesus. Because if the law teached us one thing, is you cannot make enough laws to make an individual live right. In a country that has almost 35 million laws, if anybody should know that, we should know that. You cannot legislate morality. It will not ever happen. That is why the schoolmaster pointed us unto Jesus who said, I want to write the law and put my spirit in your inward parts. Not only do I want you to have the law where you can physically hold it, I want to put it in here, but I want to put my spirit in you that you can have it, that you will have the ability. That's why I try to say he gave us grace To be holy. And that's the balance that we have to have because I have been told wholeness people, all they want to do is dress the outside. And I said, no. Where have you heard that? That is just a lie told from hell. It is so much that you have to have. I don't care if you dress up the outside and all you want to do, you're just following a list of rules that God said, that is just Old Testament knowledge. You cannot do that. You must have the Holy Ghost to be holy. You must have this. So Paul spent them, no matter what you do, you can look the part all you want if you do not have the Holy Ghost. Let me say this, the Bible plainly says if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. Now, let me say this too. I believe that God does not, as I would say, cut us off at the knees concerning that. It's not like God knows our heart. We have spoke to people and seen people that assault the Holy Ghost for long periods of time. God knows us. He is not saying, He knows us, He knows we come to church, He knows we're doing our best, we want the Holy Ghost. So it's not saying, I don't believe God is saying that if, 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 if you don't have my spirit, then I will just literally wipe you out. God is saying to the world, I will, I will phrase it like this, to the world that says the Holy Spirit is not required of you, of them, I would say. God is saying them that just willingly admits that the Holy Ghost is not required, they are none of His. But those that seek me, them I can deal with. Them I can deal with. So, in our merit-based society, we could fall into the trap of thinking we can obtain holiness through our own effort. And it cannot be done. It cannot be done. Neither should we teach it cannot be done. You cannot be holy enough within your own self. You cannot do enough works. You cannot come to church and be good enough and just try through your own effort to be holy enough. It cannot work. It cannot happen. The only way true holiness can be achieved is through the spirit of the Holy Ghost. That is what we know. That is what the Bible confirms. That is not a teaching of ours. That is through the Holy Ghost. That is through the teaching of the Bible. So he tells them this. The church was experiencing growth in unity until false teachers arose in the congregation. Now what they, wanted, what they wanted is to say, let's do it a different way. Let's just take and just go back. Religious people around the world, including some Christians, can fall into this trap assuming outward acts of devotion will bring us into the right standing of God now that's just not true that's just not true that is why we must obtain to the balance when it comes to the Holy Ghost and to our outward acts we cannot dress apart we cannot act like we be the part and then be so wrong on the inside The Holy Ghost is our guide. That's why Paul said, if you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. That's why that we have to let our outside show what's on the inside. And when you try to deceive someone and say it's on the outside, but it's not on the inside, don't worry. From the abundance of the heart, It'll be revealed. Not that we're judging. It won't return void. It will be revealed. That's not us. Now, I think we truly, truly need to find the balance in this because Go into as we would say, a wholeness church, somebody that believes in holiness and somebody that wants to be close to the Lord. And not only that, somebody that wants to have a relationship with the Lord. Not just come to church, go through the motions and just say, I come to church and, and, and that's it. We can't tell ourselves that we can, that we can fast enough, pray enough, dress enough because for long, you'll be finding yourself what's wrong. That, that you'll be finding, you, you, you will be finding yourself demanding of God. Well, if God, I fasted for this, and this hadn't happened. God, number one, God is not on our time frame. God does things as he wants to do them. And as time, uh, we want things according to our time, and that's just not going to be. Because God in his holiness and in his righteousness, he has this figured out a long time before we do. So all we can do is just do what we know to do. Now, his disciples, his disciples, one thing, they had been with him for three and a half years. And when you read in the book of Acts, God literally told them, you go to Jerusalem. Now, this is speaking to his disciples. Don't you leave. You go and you wait for my spirit. If it was so important for his disciples, then it is so important for the rest of humanity that wants his spirit. Because they had been there for three and a half years and had this word, the word, engrafted in him. In them, rather. So, if God made it so, just drew the line in the sand and said, Don't you leave. I'm going to pour my spirit out and what I've always wanted to do and what I've said from the beginning through the schoolmaster. It is all pointed to me that I not only wanted to write a list of rules because we've seen it. It's not going to be accomplished by. A list of rules I wanted to put my spirit in you to give you the ability and not only with that God said I'm going to give you grace to be able to follow my holiness so don't you leave he's telling his disciples don't you leave and then the church world says you don't even need this spirit don't you listen to that don't you get caught up in that don't you believe that? Because he looked into the men that has followed in his footsteps and he told them specifically do not leave. So they they was to they was to wait. They was told don't you leave. Don't you leave. And they didn't. Now we we must be careful. Not just a base. Our perceptions on outward holiness. God knows our heart. He knows who we are, what we are, what we do, everything about us. We, like I said, we are all different personalities. Um, I, I, I've just always loved dirt bikes and the the saying that we've uh, just always been around. If you're not on the edge, <laughs> you're taking up too much room. And. Somebody, you know, sometimes I'm on the edge a little too much. It don't take much to move me. but uh, And I've fallen off the edge. But God knows us. He gives us abilities that goes along with our personalities. So that is why I said, it doesn't matter who you are, what your personality is, God can use you to develop his will. That is why If God could have just stopped the clock and said, Stephen, look at that man holding the clothes. He's going to make one of the greatest men this world has ever seen. So we don't know who we're affecting, who God is going to use. Just at the wounds that we have and the hurts that we go through, and we think we're the only one affected by them? No is what God is going to use by the scars and the wounds that we have. Now, in the law, we know that there are 613 commandments. And like I said, if it proved one thing, it proved that just laws won't do it. There was 365 thou shalt nots and 240, 248 thou shalt but by the time Jesus come, but he said Moses, all came by Moses, but grace and truth, had come by Jesus Christ. So, this world, no matter what it says, or no matter where it goes, this truth don't change. And it will not change. It is amazing to what we see, they can call us judgmental if they want to. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We can't let up. We cannot let up. We we and they look at, at holiness like it's a um a, a disgrace almost. They don't read the Bible, I'm sorry. They don't understand what holiness is. And when Stephen looked up and seeing Jesus Christ being the one true God, the people that had just crucified, it made them so mad. And not much has changed. We still live in a world that when we say Jesus came in human flesh and roped himself, it don't make them happy. But I'm not changing my mind. It is a revelation that he has given unto us And I believe this supports it. I'm going to ask you to stand. God bless you. And thank you for your attention. This
0: message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic